Lots of questions coming in. Uh, one here without a name, but they, they want you to recommend, Doc, a book on emotional intelligence. There's a lot of them. Dan Goleman, of course, from Harvard University, did the first one, Emotional Intelligence, mm. or Emotional Quotient. And then it became emotional intelligence. Now you have social intelligence. You have all kinds of terms. Get on the Google, and you can usually look for some of the legitimate ones. And the way you know if it's legitimate is the name of the author, Mm. the author's educational background, and also look at the publisher. Make sure it's a noted publisher and not some... um, what are the, I don't know what they call them, the, where you can do Oh, self-publishing. Own, yeah, self-publishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those aren't really that, well, uh, vanity that Vanity publishing, they call it. Yeah, and yeah. also you want to make sure that at the end of the book there are references, mm-hmm. that this is not just somebody uh, catharting their own ideas without any strong basis. So be very careful who the publisher is. Make sure that the author has a list of references in the back of the book, mm-hmm. which says that it's not just their idea, they're giving you an intellectual look at the process, plus their own information. Now, interestingly, that I've said that, that, legitimize, that legitimizes the book. Mm. However, more than 70% of the book needs to be the author's own ideas to make it worth reading, yeah. unless it's just a conglomeration of all the research that's been done. So the legitimacy of the book is not just the author, but who the publisher is, and are there references in the book. And references as well. References are good, but as long as they don't just reference somebody else referencing something else. You, you know, know like I, mean? I heard this on radio. Yeah, because no, but some people do that. They write whole volumes, uh, and then they reference other people talking about the same thing, but you have to track back through like 10 mm-hmm. different books to find the original source of, of the reference. But, you know, you've got, you've got to actually find the source document, haven't you? Well, the, the rule of thumb when mm. I was growing up in the field and starting off to learn about publishing and research is that each page that's published should have at least 10 references. Oh, really? So if you're reading a book that has 100 pages, you're going to be looking at 100 times... 10 yeah. pages, so you should have about 1,000 references. Yeah. Okay. Uh, text coming in on 4001. Francis says, what is your expert's view of predictive index assessments by Praindex, for example? It's a very specific example, Francis. Have you heard of this, Doc? Yeah, the, these are a lot of different systems are out. The, they boast that there's several million people that have taken this instrument, and that's mm-hmm. a very, very good number to get some sound research. Uh, that's a good number to get some sound validity and reliability, which is what you want for standardization. Mm. However, its application will vary. There's nothing wrong with these indexes that are done in a standardized format. And there is governmental regulation from each government around the world, whether they have it as part of the government or the psychological uh, association of each country will regulate these to make sure that they go by the protocol that they get the correct studies for the validation Mm -hmm. and the reliability. So a lot of these instruments that are coming out, if they're only a few questions and they're self-answering, how valid can they actually be? The more questions also doesn't mean that it makes it valid or reliable. You have to have the right questions. So the content validity is very important. The reliability is how often does you, do you get the same or similar responses? So validity tells you what it's measuring Reliability tells you the accuracy of repeated 
measures. Mm. So that's how you get that. But there's a protocol to do that. These instruments that are online, some of them are fake. Some, but most of them are actually real instruments. And the way you know that, who's the publisher? Is it the Psychological Corporation, Riverside uh, Psych? Uh, consults, various instruments around the world. The British have a brilliant system for standardizing. So do the Canadians, the Americans. And we also have around the world with uh, with the Philippines, India, have some brilliant factors involved in determining these. When we look at things like predictive index system, that's a known system. It's not one that's, that's known by everyone. Some people will use it, but again, nothing is 100%. Mm. They usually are better than 85%. And if you can get something better than 85% reliability, you're doing pretty good. But you as a professional, being able to disseminate this to your client company or your individuals that, with whom you're working, will raise that reliability up to in the 90s. So you might get a 95% coefficient on the, on the reliability. Mm. And that's very good as well. So how you use the instrument, is it really giving you uh, the information that you want. Let me give you an example. As a forensic psychologist, I love it whenever I go to court and the other side is using an instrument that is questionable. Mm. Not because I love it because it's hurting the other person because my job is not to take sides. As a forensic person, it's no matter who's paying me, my job is to find the truth. Mm. What happens, however, is if the other side is defending a person who has antisocial personality characteristics... And in forensics, we call it psychopathology or social pathology. Clinically, we call it antisocial personality disorder. They give them a 20-question questionnaire, and they're to answer it themselves. Now, how do you think a psychopath, a manipulative, explosive person, is going to answer those questions? Quite Hardly well. honestly. <laughs> yeah. Hardly honestly. They're going to be able to intelligently fake it. So it's so easy to be sitting in the, in the witness chair in the courtroom and dispel that instrument even though it may be recognized as a valid instrument. It's not reliable. Mm. So you have to have both the validity and the reliability. This idea of, sort of technology and personality is, is quite interesting. It's obviously quite advanced as well. Uh, Shazili texted in saying there are software systems that exist now in, uh, in contact uh, centers, in the contact center industry that gauge uh, contact center agents on psychometric instruments. And callers can be matched with the kind of agent most likely to serve the customer better. That's fascinating, isn't it? Yes, it's called prostitution of the profession. <laughs> Um, and, and if you believe that, I have property in Florida that I want to sell you to. And if you don't like Florida, I can take you to Southampton. It's a beautiful place, and we'll put you on the Titanic. Put you right on the you coast. <laughs> yeah, some beautiful and It's unbelievable. Property. It's yeah. unbelievable how vulgar some of these situations have become mm. with this, where they can actually convince people that this works. I mean, you might as well pay, you might as well pay 500 dirham and go have a fortune teller somewhere downtown, tell your fortune with a, with a Turkish coffee uh, turnover of grain. <laughs> or who's that guy here that's charging 4,000 dirham for hit to promise you that, that he can get rid of your children's anxieties and stuff? Mm, Hello? Yeah, 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 yeah. And how many people are stupid enough to go for that? Mm. You know, there's a, there is a real serious... Uh, implementation here that the government needs to protect society from this kind of quackery. And here is a situation that, that is an example. When people promise you they can do that, there's no real reliability. And let me tell you why. It's mm. not because the way they set up the system is not valid. It could actually be a valid system. But its reliability is what's questionable here. Mm. You, can have you can have validity without the reliability. But you can't have reliability unless the validity is there. So both have to go hand in hand. 
Reliability is does this really accurately measure what the validity says it's going to measure? Because mm. validity is are you measuring what you say you're going to measure? Mm. So what happens here is that in these situations, unless you have the human professional, and I'm saying human professional, not machine professional, but the human professional interacting that can deal with flexibility, that can deal with, uh, with uh, adaptation of new information. Like a person may present in a particular way as another person presented, but it can have two different meanings. Mm. Well, a machine doesn't pick that up. I do, uh, it's that word, pres- the word present as well. It, it, um, the, that word almost sounds fake to me. You know, you, how, how is that person presenting? I know it's used in medical terms as well in the doctor, you know, doctor's mm-hmm. surgery. Yeah. What symptoms are being presented? You know, we sometimes go in and we lie to our doctor, don't we? Yes, <laughs> yeah. but there is actually a standard error of measure mm. that you learn in the interviewing technique and also is available in the testing. Mm-hmm. But if all you're doing is testing, Without the human intervention, the professional human intervention, mm. you're not going to get a complete picture. And this is where machines cannot pick up on things like that. Now, we hopefully have got uh, Sharia on the line. So let me uh, just say hello. Hello, Sharia. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, wonderful to have you on the line this morning, uh, Sharia. Sharia, what is your question for the doc? Yes, doc, uh, you spoke about relationships earlier, that you can gauge relationships uh, you know, before they start. My question is, you know, when relationships do generally start between two people, it's all good, you know, it's all happy, happy. In time, you do realize traits about the other person. So what if an emotionally charged person gets, gets you know, on with somebody who's not emotionally charged? What do you, how do you cope with the, all the emotional trauma, especially the person who's not emotionally charged? How do you deal with that? Well, I wish there was time to really talk more about specifics and how you're defining emotionally charged, but let's take it from here. When a person meets another and they're physically attracted to each other, that's a normal process. That's a God-given trait that's universal. People have a physical attraction to each other. When you get to know each other by talking to each other, sharing each other's values, your attitude about things, you're still in the honeymoon phase where you want everything to be right. You want everything to be correct. You want to overcompensate for real love is not there yet, but you're wanting to learn to love the other person. You'll make adjustments in your personality characteristics. You'll make adjustments in the way you speak, think, and feel with that person to keep them interested in you as you want to stay interested in them. When the defenses start to go down as the relationship continues, the honeymoon phase starts to phase out, you get into reality. That's where you see that that person may be different than what they had projected in the first couple of years or even first six months of the relationship. That's not a bad thing, and a lot of people may take it wrong, but it's not really a bad thing. This is actually quite normal. That's where the reality phase comes in, and you say to yourself, do I really want to be with this person? And then you maturely get to the point where you say, does that person want to be with me too? Which is when the compromise comes in. The compromise, are we going to actually stay together or not stay together? This sometimes can take anywhere from five to seven years in a relationship to get to that factor. Now, what you're describing, however, are two different personality styles. Some people who express their emotions very openly and can say, I love you 10 times a day and mean it and energized. The other person says... I don't need to say I love you. I can show you that I love you. But if you, exactly. make me, if you make me say I love you, that drains me of the love. Show me you love me. Don't tell me you love me. So the difference is one kind of person who says, I love you so much, I'm going to give you the moon. The other person says, 
What are you talking about? You can't even get to the moon. How are you going to give it to me? It doesn't mean that they don't love. It means that they're saying, keep the love practical. Like if a person comes home and says, I brought you flowers because I love you. The person says, I'm here waiting on you to come home and I fixed a meal for us both to eat. Both are showing love. It determined, it's determined by the personality preference as to which is the display of love. Jaria, Doc said it, it could take seven years of, of marriage. How long have you been married for? Uh, almost four years now. Almost four, so you've got another three Call to us go. back in three years. <laughs> are you going to be okay? Can you, can you hang in, mate? Look, frankly, it sounds like you have a good relationship going because you at least have that understanding of the differences, but they don't have yes. to be differences. They can be balances. Give your partner the benefit of the doubt that where you may want to express love, the other person shows love. Both of you are expressing it. You do it verbally. The other person does it in practice. Jerry, I Great. hope that helps. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, I hope that helps with the next three years of marriage. Good luck. Hopefully. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Uh, the so seven years is actually the first vulnerable phase of the marriage. Okay. Yeah, that used to be called the seven-year itch. Yes. And that's because people traditionally didn't really have a relationship until they got married. Mm. Well, now relationships and marriages actually start before the marriage. So people get a learner's permit <laughs> before they get the driver's license. So now the seven years doesn't mean marriage. It just means how long have you actually been in a relationship that's been an intimate relationship. Mm. And, if it, and usually within seven years is where you see that first phase of vulnerability. If people survive that without a divorce, then they become parents for a while and they focus on being parents. When the youngest child starts to get into the uh, age of independence, emotional stability, mm. where they have their own peers and things like that, that's when you see the empty nest. Mm. And this is the emptiness is not just when parent when the child leaves home. It's actually when the child changes their their focus. It's not long only at home. Now they're they're going out. They're doing their own life. And mom and dad are now having to be husband and wife at home. That's actually the second phase of vulnerability. And this is also where you have to reassess the marriage. Mm rethink the marriage and maybe even start to have a new frontier for a new relationship with each other yeah it's not just one sort of standard plan across the 40 50 60 how long the marriage might last for it's it's got to keep evolving uh cameron texting says my personality got affected since i got married uh, it's not that i'm blaming my wife but most of the time i have to do something that i don't want to do <laughs> that's not a personality change that might be your personality itself yeah. that you've learned that you need to give in to someone who you interpret possibly as being controlling or domineering mm. and one of the points that was also made earlier it can be either a man or a woman it's not just women who may dominate mm. it's men that mm. can dominate as well and we work with a lot of relationships and we find that about equal so we have as many women who are dominating as we have men who are dominating and the other person may have learned to survive this marriage I have to give in Mm. Well, how long can you give in without resentment? How long can you give in without the guilt that you're not really liking this marriage, but you have to pretend you are? So this can create a lot of havoc, a lot of marital dispute, and it manifests itself in different ways. Mm. In the way you express intimacy, the way you express time together, all of a sudden you find yourself escaping to work all the time. Well, that might be healthy, and at least you're doing something productive, but it's destructive to a marriage that also needs time together. Uh, anonymous text here says, uh, for me, I'm good at taking on a personality in different situations that allow me to fit in well in the environment that I'm in to the point uh, that if I try to, to the point that I try, I'm trying to understand my own id. 
Is that right, id? Well, id is part of the Freudian concept okay. of the basic um, human um, animalistic side, where we want everything without waiting for gratification. Mm. Now, what he's describing is not really a different kind of personality. I wish it was because that way I could author a book on this character <laughs> and we could do movies about it. <laughs> but unfortunately, he may be actually a normal person who says that I'm a chameleon and my personality is flexible. Mm. So I can flexibly adapt to the environment and the people that are in that environment rather than changing personalities. Changing personalities is a pretty drastic situation. And these are the persons who we used to call multiple personalities mm. that are now called dissociative personality, uh, personal, sorry, dissociative identity mm, disorder. Mm, mm. Uh, and then there's a fugue state and all that other stuff that gives into the clinical picture. But when you're able to verbalize through this program, through your writing, that you're able to adapt to situations. Mm. That's not a personality change. That's actually being a flexible personality. And that has its positive characteristics for certain careers. Mm. And there's certain professions that require that. See, like, for instance, there's nothing wrong with that. It actually fits into certain characteristics that are needed for certain professions. Mm. But you may also have people who aren't that flexible. They only want to do things their way, which is not a bad thing either, mm. as long as they realize that that's their limitation. So there's certain characters that fit best in relationships for that, as well as those characteristics are best for certain professions. Mm. Keep your text coming into 4001. Quick one now before we uh, go for the uh, the news headlines. Um, texter No Names here says, Good morning. Thank you for an interesting show. My question to Dr. Raymond is going back to that example of using your persona at work. I'm a person who's climbed to the top or very close to the top of the corporate ladder, but I found that my outgoing personality, uh, as Dr. Raymond called it, is not suited at all. Uh, at a corporate executive level role. I've been tackling this idea or this dilemma for some time. In your experience, Doctor, um, dealing with similar situations, uh, what do you recommend uh, to... Um, for the internal struggle that uh, that this has often led to, because this person said he's, he's getting migraines, uh, other issues, uh, uh, mental and physical issues that are occurring because he, I guess now he's in this stressful position. He doesn't feel his personality matches the role he's got. When we look at corporations and we're called in as experts to corporations, we one of the things we need to do is look at the corporate culture mm. or the corporate spirit. And that then has its own corporate personality. Not everybody will fit into that no matter how good they are at the job that they do. This person may be brilliant as an executive. She may be very, very highly educated. Mm. Her personality is nothing wrong with that either, but may not match that corporate spirit or that corporate culture. Mm. doesn't mean there's something wrong with the corporation, nor is there something wrong with her. It's just it might not be the right match. So her personality preferences are to be open and transparent, but that not, might not work within that corporate situation. Mm. However, there are corporations that welcome that, that need that, or that, that are set up for that. So it's not a matter of, I can't function here. It's a matter of, can you f comfortably function there? Mm. And you may need to actually look at a different place to go. This is not a cop-out, nor is it saying that I'm giving you an easy way out or I don't know the answer. Sometimes that is the answer. I mean, look, at, look around the world. Uh, you can look at it politically. I mean, look at the president of the United States right now. The president of the United States right now happens to be a person who likes transparency, mm -hmm. who likes to be very much a humbled kind of a human being. That does not sit well with certain citizens of the United States mm -hmm. who happen to be rich 
and rich enough that they can make it look like the United States prefers something else. That's not true. If that was the case, the pan wouldn't be president because the majority would have voted differently. But what we're seeing is that not everybody fits the bill. Now, not all corporations are as big as the United States government or the French government or the Russian government or the Chinese government. Companies tend to function differently, and they may be smaller, and they don't have the luxury of hiring in their own image and surviving. So companies may have different kinds of personalities, and these different personalities will make up the corporate culture. Well, we have a situation where the corporate culture also has executives who may hire in their own image. Mm-hmm. Well, do you fit that image? Do you fit that personality structure? It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or the company, but is there the right fit? Mm. Sometimes companies are happy to make an adjustment. I remember working with one company. I had to, I had to interview two people who were going to be applying for the same position. One of them had particular traits and professional skills that the company didn't realize that they wanted. They actually created a new vice president position, yeah. so they actually hired both people. So companies may have that flexibility, but not always. So if you're finding yourself getting physically uh, ill because of the, uh, the stress level that goes on at work, you shouldn't have to be there. Mm. Not because there's something wrong with the company or you. Find the company that is more suited towards your personality profile. That is going to be the key to success. When you are in a stressful situation... One hour of work can be exhausting. When you're in the right society of work, the culture of work, the corporate culture, the corporate society that matches your personality, 10 hours of stress work is not stressful at all. We were talking to uh, Sharia um, on, our, uh, on the phone line uh, earlier on, and he was talking about um, he's been married for four years, and um, you know, he kind of feels like him and his wife have got different personalities and, and sort of different expectations of, of, of the relationship and so forth. And um, uh, Chef, uh, Chef Cat, sorry if I'm pronouncing your name uh, wrong, mate, uh, said, uh, husband doesn't want his wife to change, but she does. Uh, husband doesn't himself want to change, but his wife wants him to. So a bit of a critique there of our phone call from uh, Shafkat. Am it's I doing that right, Shafkat? It's unfortunate that people have these levels of tolerance versus the level of acceptance. Yeah. Intolerance is a form of arrogance mm. that says, I'm better than you. Uh, and you go and is going to have to make the changes, mm. or I'm better than you, I'll just have to tolerate you, or I'll have to put up with you, rather. Mm. Arrogance is part of that. However, acceptance is a mature ability to realize that people are different. And understanding that people's differences doesn't have to be at odds with each other, but can actually be balances that give each other an opportunity to grow with each other. Mm. The changes that need to be required are never going to be done because there's going to be a lot of resentment with that. Mm. To keep the relationship together is to change. That means you're going to be setting up a lot of resentment. And knowing that you don't get married to resent people, you're going to have guilt for not liking your partner. So that even becomes more resentful because underneath resentment is usually guilt. Underneath anger is usually hurt. Mm. So this relationship could be doomed if both people aren't going to get help from a professional who specializes in couples therapy to help them both understand what actually is their personalities, how these personalities can work together. Now, there are exercises that we do that will help people stay together for the right reason. Mm -hmm. And if those don't work, then you can break up for the right reason. 
But don't break up just because you're dissatisfied. That's pretty immature and irresponsible. If you took the responsibility to maturely be in a relationship with somebody, don't break it up because it's just not going in the right direction or, or I'm not happy. That, that's a very immature excuse. There'll always be challenges. Always going to be opportunities to make a difference. Yeah. Use those opportunities. Use those times to grow and to understand yourself as well as understand your partner. So I would like to see couples like this who are, who are guts enough to write this in because it takes a lot of guts yeah. to write these kind of things up and, and listen to the show and want to respond. I, I commend you on that. But don't leave it at that. Make a difference by understanding yourself, understanding your partner, and see how you can both grow from that. Maybe this would actually be the best relationship because it gives you that challenge to grow. Uh, interesting to get your take on this one as well. Elenia text in, says, um, I, I'm in the wrong relationship. I suffered bereavement, trauma, depression, um, uh, and I married. Um, and at the time, uh, I needed a father figure. Uh, that time now, it's, it's clear that uh, depression has uh, made me someone that I'm not because I'm naturally very positive. Uh, but now I'm existing, not living, um, and I'm frozen. And uh, Lenia says that the way uh, that, that she explains this is that inside of me, I'm thirsty, but I'm not drinking. Um, I, I want to do so much, but I've got no motivation. That's I really Lenia. appreciate the, the poeticness mm. of, their, of, of the uh, email. It's very, very nice and refreshing to hear that they want to think of this <clears throat> in a in a flowery way sometimes however that could be a way to avoid emotions even though they're talking about emotions mm. what i would recommend to this person that there needs to be a lot of self-investigation this might not be a couple's problem but let me tell you what will be the problem if you married someone knowingly you needed a father figure that means you were the child mm. children eventually grow up they go through childhood, through adolescence, and then they leave home. Mm. So the relationship may have actually been doomed from the very beginning if it never got to the adult, adult level as transactional analysis psychologists would talk about. Mm. When you're dealing with a parent-child relationship, it may actually not survive because the child will grow up and have to leave that relationship. Do you think... Uh Looking at it from the, the, the partner's perspective, w would their partner have been aware that they were being cast in the role of, of the parents? Usually not. Mm. And usually if the, if the partner who has been cast as the parent is the male, because mm -hmm. men will need to provide and protect. That means that men need to always make sure everything is right. So when it happens to be the male who is the parent partner mm -hmm. and the female is the child partner the male partner feels very very satisfied that he's doing his job to make sure he makes everything right for his wife mm -hmm. that's all fine and dandy at the very beginning but then when the wife grows up and says i'm no longer the child now i'm an adolescent and i want to find my own identity i want to find my own independence i'm going to be able to gain my own emotional stability just like any teenager would do mm -hmm. in a real family situation she will grow out of the marriage especially when that marriage does not mature into an adult-adult level. So, I mean, sorry, to I don't want to sort of ruin the analogy, but if she's growing up, does he need to grow down? <laughs> does he need to sort That's of level it up? <laughs> well, uh, growing down would mean that they both come to the adult-adult level. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, but he would have to be aware of this. And usually he's not going to be aware of it. And she may have not even been aware of her child role at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. It might have been something that that she became aware of later on in the relationship, 
but did not inform him. Mm. Now, it can be reverse, where a man needs to be the child and needs a mommy image. We have the same kind of scenario take place there. Mm. Yeah, I just shuddered at that one. Uh, anonymous, <laughs> anonymous as <laughs> it was Freud's fault. <laughs> I know. Anonymous has <laughs> just texted in. Uh, quite apt that the, the, this text was anonymous, and I'm going to do it in a voice. How do I become more dominant and powerful? Take Dale Gnar Carnegie's course on. <laughs> <laughs> why would well, you? Why, so, okay, so exactly. Person, why do you want to do that? You know, what are you trying to fight? Are, are mm. you a little guy that's trying to prove that you're big or a little girl that's trying to prove you're big? You know, like the, like the Hitler syndrome, mm. the little tiny person who had to overcompensate mm-hmm. by becoming the world's demon. Mm. So is that the purpose? You know, what is the reason? What is it meant by I want to learn to be domineering and I want to learn to be powerful? Now, that's not a bad thing if what you're saying is I want to learn about myself to express myself in the most progressive fashion. I want to be able to enhance my own characteristics to enrich my life. I want to be in more control of myself. If that's the case, <clears throat> then there are ways of doing that by taking programs, these um, workshops in self-actualization, mm. self-confidence building, self-esteem building. But if you're doing this out of anger, because you're going to try to hurt somebody who you believe has dominated you or been powerful over you, mm. you're going to get into a very destructive fashion. And you're going to be dying at a very young age as a very unhappy person. Yeah, I'm sure we're not talking about world domination at, the, at this stage. Is I would hope not. I'd love to know if, it, if you could text us back, let us know whether it's for work or family life and, and what exactly this is. And if it is, is world domination, take the <laughs> Dubai eye flag yeah. and let them know you heard it first in Dubai on this radio station. Stick it on top of that mountain, whatever you're going to dominate. <laughs> text here, uh, Doc. Uh, how, do, how do you not get bored of a woman? I easily get bored of women after some time. Is that an issue? I, I always want somebody new. That's a, that's a, that's a very specific person. You know, there's type. nothing wrong with that, nor is there anything wrong with a woman who wants to not get bored of a man. Mm. Uh, it goes both ways. And it's not just one uh, domineering the other. It needs to be an equal relationship. Mm-hmm. What I recommend is you have an affair with each other. That's You're glad I said that, right? I know. Just about, about, just about reaching for the dump button. Yeah, the, what is that dummy <laughs> button thing? Is that dumb, dumb again? Now, you know, people, people need to have that affair concept with their partner. Yeah. That's how you do it. You build on it. A relationship may be okay to stay the same for 10, 20, or for 50 years if that's the definition for both. Mm. And some people will say, you know, I'm so excited. Even if we repeat the same things every day, it's like it's always brand new. And if you can say that after five years, man, that's brilliant to have that kind of relationship. But if you need to be in a relationship where you like change, then do that change. Have that change opportunity, but talk about it. Here's where the problem comes in, why actually people do get involved outside of the relationship, is when they don't talk about what they want. Mm. They take things for granted. They think that their partner doesn't want because they've never even talked to their partner about what they want. Mm. Things change. They need to move forward. We have a marriage map. And the marriage doesn't stay honeymoon forever. Mm-hmm. The first relationship that you're ever in, the honeymoon phase may last for about two and a half years. The second relationship, it might last for 18 months. The third relationship, the honeymoon phase might only be for six months. Mm. So then you get into reality, compromise. Then there's a di- different dimensions that come up into the relationship as you go on. Relationships are an opportunity to grow. But both people need to grow 
paralleling and getting closer to each other, not separating each other and coming up with excuses. We don't have time. Mm. Some ways to do this is make sure you devote at least 30 minutes a day to each other of undivided attention. No bathroom breaks, no things in your hand like a telephone or uh, games or anything like that. 30 minutes where you're talking to each other face-to-face, no television, no radio, and talk about new song that you heard, uh, a, a program that you heard today on the radio, an article that you read, a news feature, you know, something like that that you're sharing. Even the smell of a new flower that you, that you just happen to come across mm. when walking down in the mall or something like that, or, or the sunset. Uh, that you noted on the way f- from work. You're going to make me cry. Talk about these things that are, that are pleasant. Talk about things that you want. You know, how do you like our marriage so far? What would be of interest to you? Where do you want to go on vacation? Mm-hmm. Is there something you want to do? You know, one of the most beautiful vacations is when people say, I love my home. I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to spend these two weeks or a month with you here. Mm. You know, what a beautiful expression of wanting to be with each other without having to have excuses to deviate to make yourself think you're happy with each other by being entertained somewhere else. Plus, travel can be stressful. Very stressful. It certainly can. So learn about the person that changes. And even though you're married to each other, you still have different experiences. So your interests change from day to day, week to week, Mm. month to month. Keep up with those things. Find out what your partner reads. Read the same thing. Talk about those kind of things. Have an affair with each other. We've got nine minutes and we've got three awesome texts. Should we try and knock these out in about three minutes each before the You're end of the show? Me? Let's try. Okay, I'm watching the clock. Please okay, do. okay. Uh, hi, I've been married for 14 years and I've been trying to make uh, my uh, wife as close uh, to me as I am. If, if that makes sense. I, I love her more than anything in the world. She loves me uh, too, but I can believe, but I believe that there can be more between us than there is right now. And uh, there's an issue over uh, intimacy as well. So is, this is a common thing that we're kind of rich, reaching a, a rich vein here with the sort of uh, the, the couples, aren't we? Well, it's interesting that this person was thoughtful enough and emotional enough to write this. It's a very sincere message, Mm. and hopefully your partner's listening as well. And this is an opportunity to regain a new relationship with each other. See, a lot of people think a new relationship has to be with somebody else. It actually can be with each other. Find out new interests, the way that people think. Look at the things that are going on at work. Look at things that you can do together. Do a project together. Take up a sport together. Uh, Look at new ways of being intimate together. Mm -hmm. The way that you look at each other, the way you say good morning to each other, the way you hold hands. Go to the movies. You know, go sit on the beach. Try something new. Uh, These are different things that you can do. Relationships don't have to be stagnant. And they aren't stagnant if both people agree on what to do. You know, some people actually don't read the newspaper every day in the morning until both of them are together at home at night. Mm. They put the kids to sleep or they don't have kids. They get home in the afternoon. They have a, a meal. And then they read the newspaper together and share the stories and give their opinions about it. Mm. That's another way to be together. It doesn't mean you have to be out spending money to enjoy time together. So look for something that's not, that's new. There's many things to do. The world is wide open. If you're living in the United Arab Emirates, there's so many different things that you can do. You can go and see something different every single day. Mm. And, and if that means that's too much for you, make it once a week that you have a plan to go somewhere, do something. Spend time together. And when you go, for instance, to a movie, don't just go to the movie. After the movie, talk about what that movie mm. meant to you. What was that meaning of that situation that came up. 
What is your opinion of it? What did you learn from that that's going to make your life different? Share those ideas and thoughts and feelings with each other. Because a movie can be a cop-out date, can't it, really? Because, you know, you're not really going to be talking during the movie. Let me tell you where a movie comes in handy, Mm. though. If you argue a lot... Go to the movies. Mm. Let the movie do the entertaining, because after the movie, you're not going to talk about your emotions about each other. You're going to talk about what the movie meant to you. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to reestablish positive communications. Uh, se- uh, second and last uh, marriage text that we've got here. Um, I've reached a stage where I'm not feeling happy in all aspects of my life. Um, I know that I'm in a long-term relationship built on love, trust, and understanding, and my wife is a great person. But what can I do to change this feeling that's killing me. When we look at depression, and there may be talking about depression, I don't know because you can't get a full analysis on a text no matter how intelligent the person is. And usually the, the listeners of this station are quite intelligent, but you still can't get a full picture on mm. a few sentences. What I want to say is that you need to investigate what's going on. What do you think is missing in your life? And this can be done with a professional intervention. It's not going to take a lot of time. It's not going to be expensive. It can be most 12 to 15 sessions. Sometimes it can only be in three or four sessions, Mm. depending on how invested you are, how verbal you can be. Find out what's going on in your life that you feel there may be something missing Mm. in your life. That way, that word happiness changes the dimension because happiness is actually mutual cooperation and showing gratitude to your partner. Mm. So looking at happiness when you're saying I'm unhappy, that means that I'm missing something in life. Uh, let's change tact, uh, tack, uh, just very quickly. Uh, last question before the end of the show. Um, got a question here. Uh, my friends uh, are, have grown up in very extrovert and rich societies, and I've come from quite a poor family, This uh, the text writes. I feel difficulty in coping uh, with them as they're very dominant and they can easily lie and play, but I cannot lie. And th- this text obviously feels that that's a, an issue for them in, their, in, in the social circles that they're moving in. Everybody has their preferences, Mm. and everybody has their way of handling things. I'm not sure what you're calling a lie. Sometimes when people get together, they like to confabulate information just for entertainment. Mm. And we do that as adults as well as when we're five years old. You know, when you're five years old, uh, you don't necessarily tell a lie. You come up with a creative way of looking at something just to see how far you can get by with it. (laughs) Because you're looking for your own uh, autonomy at that that time in life. Mm. Well, when you're adults and you're successful in life, you might want to tell war stories mm. just to entertain each other. You might want to do one-upsmanship, especially if your best friend is an executive, you're an executive, mm. you have competition. I remember two best friends who both happened to be CEOs of two different companies. One would buy a car, the other would say, I'm gonna buy a bigger car, a better <laughs> car. You know, and one time I, I jokingly said, do you take the, the numbers off of one car, put it on another one that doesn't even exist for that model, just to show you got a bigger model? <laughs> you know, it doesn't even exist. You know, some people do that. Yeah. But if you call it a lie, that might be your own sense of inadequacy in that group where you feel that economically mm-hmm. you're not a match. Yeah. So investigate what's going on with you. How do you define that? Is it really that they lie to each other or that they're actually having some entertainment fun in creative 
ideas with each other. Doctor, thank you so much as ever for joining us on a Wednesday. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Lots of uh, questions coming in. We've we've done as many of them as we possibly can. Um, if people want to get hold of you, because uh, ba- you've got practice here in, in Dubai. Oh, yeah, I sure do. As a matter of fact, even when I'm not here, I'm practicing here <laughs> through, uh, through various uh, systems. What we, what we do at the Human Relations Institute is our offices are in JLT. Mm-hmm. Telephone number there is 4365 Seven eight, and your producer has been very kind to always make sure that this is up on your website yeah. too. So if you don't get it here, look at the website. Absolutely, it's on our website, Dubai I one zero three eight dot com. So you can uh, get in touch with Dr. Raymond Hamza.